0: Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco from the headquarters of Amethics Technologies based in Belgium. Today, I'm very excited to start the second episode of the dark side of data science. Seems scary. I'm not alone. I'm with the Chiara Tonini from London. Hi, Chiara. How are you doing?
1: Hello, I'm doing very well. Thank you.
0: Today's episode is recommend and manipulate the dangers of the attention economy.
1: Thank you for listening to Data Science at Home podcast with Francesco Gadaletta. You are about to get cutting-edge insights from the people who are reshaping the world of technology with machine learning, data science, and artificial intelligence. It's time for Data Science at Home. Welcome to the show. So,
0: Chiara, what's the story?
1: In 2017, a research group at the University of Washington did a study on the Black Lives Matter movement on Twitter. They constructed what they call a shared audience graph to analyze the different groups and audiences that were participating in the debate and found, as expected, an alignment of the groups with the political left and the political right, as well as more alignments with groups participating in other debates like environment, abortion issues, and so on. So, in simple terms, someone who is pro-environment, pro-abortion, left-leaning, is also supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement and vice versa.
0: Okay, this seems to make sense, but I suspect there's more to this story.
1: So far, yes. What they did not expect to find, though, was a pervasive network of Russian accounts participating in the debate, which turned out to be organised by the Internet Research Agency, which is the not-so-secret Russian secret service agency of Internet Black Ops. The same one, by the way, connected with the U.S. election and the Brexit referendum, allegedly.
0: Okay, are we talking about actual spies? I mean, where are you going with this?
1: So basically, these Russian accounts, part of them were human and part of them were bots, were infiltrating all the aspects of the debate, both on the left and on the right side and always taking the most extreme stances on any particular aspect of this debate. So the aim was to radicalize the conversation, to make it more and more extreme in a tactic of divide and conquer, turn the population against itself in an online civil war, push for policies that normally would be considered too extreme. For, for example, they gave tanks to the police to control riots, and they had curfews in some American cities. So this chaos and unrest have repercussions on international trade and relations and can align to foreign interests.
0: Hmm, It seems like a pretty indirect and convoluted way of influencing a foreign power.
1: You might think so, but you are forgetting social media. This sort of operation is directly exploiting a core feature of internet social media platforms. And that feature, I'm afraid, is recommender systems.
0: Wow, okay, okay. Let's take a step back. Let's recap the general features of recommender systems. So we are all on the same page here. Cool. So in fact, the general idea of a recommender system is to recommend a certain item to a certain individual. Now think about um, a a bookstore. And wants to sell, of course, specific books to specific people, specific readers, right? What they would do is, in fact, represent an item, in this case, the book with a set of features that indeed describe that book in all its, uh, you know, the genre, number of pages, and uh, probably the the category of that particular book and so on. And uh, of course, also represent the readers with uh, a similar set of features indicating, you know, their preference and uh, their demographics, their age, their gender, and so on. And so the idea of a recommender system is to find the best match between books and readers. Of course, there are many methods that allow you to to build such a uh, so-called rating matrix. For example, cosine correlation similarity or matrix factorization, the stuff that basically was used by Netflix uh, a few years ago. There are, of course, neural networks that uh, uh, allow you to predict the next uh, set of items that you are very likely to purchase in the near future. And of course, also sequence prediction methods. Um, so, you know, regardless of the method that you use in machine learning, uh, there is one problem here. Uh, because the problem is that uh, it's in fact behind the so called Eisenberg principle of uncertainty. That is, you cannot measure a phenomenon without altering that. And so, in the same way, you cannot recommend. A book to a reader without influencing the preference of that reader. Now, if you push this to the extreme to many other things, not just books, you know, you get something that is not really uh, nice, or in fact, it's something that can be quite dangerous. So in the attention economy, the business model is to monetize the time the user spends on a platform, speaking about social media, for example, by doing many things, among which, for example, showing them advertisement. Recommender systems are crucial for this purpose. So Chiara, you're saying that these algorithms have effects that are, let's say, problematic.
1: Yes, as you say, recommender systems exist because the business model of social media platforms is to monetize attention. The most effective way to keep users' attention is to show them stuff they are interested in. In order to do that, you must understand your audience. You must segment your audience to find the best content for each user. But then for each user, how do you keep them engaged and make them consume even more content?
0: Hmm. You're going to say the word filter bubble very soon. I feel that.
1: Spot on. So to keep the user on the platform, you start by showing them content that they are interested in and that agrees with their opinion. But that is not all. How many videos of the same stuff can you watch? How many articles can you read, right? You must also escalate the content that the user sees, increasing the wow factor. So the content goes from mild to extreme, and this can include conspiracy theories, for example, or hate speech. The the recommended content pushes the user opinion towards more extreme stances. It is hard to see from inside the bubble, but a simple experiment will show it. If you are on YouTube and you continue to click the first recommended video on YouTube and you follow the chain of first recommended videos soon, you will find yourself watching stuff you'd never have actively looked for, like conspiracy theories, alt-right propaganda, or like pranks that get progressively more cruel, videos by people committing suicide and so on.
0: So you're saying that this is not an accident. So this is the basis of the optimization of the recommender system.
1: Yeah, and it's very effective, but obviously there are consequences.
0: And I'm guessing they're not good.
1: No. So the collective result of single users being pushed toward more radical stances is a radicalization of the whole conversation. The disappearance of nuances in the argument, the trivialization of complex issues. For example, the Brexit debate in 2016 was about trade deals and custom unions. Now it is just about remain and no deal with almost nothing in between.
0: Yeah. the conversation is getting more stupider or just stupider or whatever. Is this just a giant accident, just a sensible system that got out of control?
1: Well, yes and no. Recommender systems originate as a tool for boosting commercial revenue by selling more products. But, applied to social media, they have caused an aberration. The recommendation of information which leads to the so-called filter bubbles, the rise of fake news and disinformation, and the manipulation of the masses. There is an intense debate in the scientific community about the polarizing effects of the internet and social media on the population. An example of such study is a paper by Johnson et al. They predict that whether and how a population becomes polarized is dictated by the nature of the underlying competition rather than the validity of the information that individual receives on their online bubbles.
0: And of course, all the papers that we mentioned in this episode will be reporting in the show notes. So check our website datascienceathome.com, and the show notes of this episode. But in fact, I would like to stress on this very last finding. Uh, this is really fucked up. Polarization is not caused by the particular subject nor the way a debate is conducted, but by how legitimate the information seems to the single person. It might also be completely fake, right? Which means that, well, if I find a way to convince the single individuals about something, I will be in fact manipulating the debate at a community scale, or in some cases, globally. Oh my God, we seem to be so fucked.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So take for instance, the people who believe that the Earth is flat, Or the time it took for global warming to be recognized as scientific fact, despite that, purely scientifically speaking, the threshold for scientific confirmation was reached decades ago.
0: So, recommender systems let loose on social media platforms amplify controversy and conflict and fringe opinions? I'm not going to like the answer, but I'm going to ask the question This is all just an innocent mistake, isn't it?
1: Well, last year, the European Data Protection Supervisor published a report on online manipulation at scale.
0: Okay, that does not sound good.
1: No. The online digital ecosystem has connected people across the world with over 50% of the population of the world being on the internet. But very unevenly in terms of geography, wealth and gender. So, the initial optimism of the early internet about the potential of internet tools and social media for civic engagement has given way to concern that people are being manipulated through the combination of constant harvesting of data, often intimate information about users, and the control over the information they see online according to the category they are put into, the, the segmentation of the audience. Arguably, since 2016, but probably before, mass manipulation at scale has occurred during democratic elections. But using algorithms to game the recommender systems, among other things, misinformation was spread. Remember Cambridge Analytica?
0: I do. I wish I didn't.
1: Okay, but why does it work? Are we so easy to manipulate? So an interesting point is this. When the information is received collectively, as for example from the television news, old school, it is far less likely that people develop extreme views, like the Earth is flat. Because the discourse is based on a common understanding of reality, people can call out each other's bullshit. (laughs) Fair enough. But when information is received singularly, like what happens when delivered by a recommender system through micro-targeting, Then, reality has a different manifestation for each audience members with no Mm. common ground. It is far more likely that extreme views are adopted because there is no way to fact check and because the news feel personal. They have been tailored to the user to push their buttons. Francesco, if you show me George Clooney shirtless and holding a puppy and then George tells me that the earth is flat, I might have some doubts for a minute. Too personal?
0: (laughs) That's good to know about you. I'm recently more of a cat person, (laughs) but experts keep saying that we are moving towards personalization of everything. Now, I would like to say something. While this makes sense for things like, you know, personalized medicine, drug discovery and stuff like that, it probably is not that beneficial with many other kinds of recommendations and especially not the news, but social media feeds are extremely personalized. What can we do?
1: So solutions so far have focused on transparency measures, exposing the source of information, um, but nobody has really taken on the accountability of the players in the ecosystem who profit from this harmful behaviour. These are band aids on bullet wounds. The problem is the social media platforms. So in October 2019, Zuckerberg was in front of Congress again because Facebook refuses to fact-check political advertisements. In 2019, after everything that's happened, And at the same time, market concentration and the rise of platform dominance threatens media pluralism, especially the traditional media, causing a handful of news to be repeated and amplified while independent journalism is silenced.
0: Well, when I think of a recommender system, and uh, I'm pretty sure that's the shared opinion among all data scientists out there, I think of Netflix you like this kind of show in the past, so here are more shows on, on the same genre. Or people like you have liked this, other type of show, and, and so here it is uh, for your consideration. So this seems relatively benign. Although, if you think some more, you realize that this mechanism will prevent you from actually discovering anything new. It just gives you more of what you are likely to like already. But one would not think that this would have word changing consequences.
1: But if you think of the news, this mechanism becomes lethal. In the mildest form, best case scenario, which is already bad, though, you will only hear opinions that already align with those of your own peer group. In the worst scenario, though, you will not hear some news at all, or you will hear a misleading or false version of the news. And you don't even know that a different version exists. So, For example, in the Brexit referendum, misleading or false content, like the famous statement that uh, public health system money was going to the EU instead of being used for public health in the UK, this content was amplified in filter bubbles, with each bubble of people essentially understanding a different version of Brexit. Brexit was a million different things depending on your social media feeds, and so people vote for different things. And of course, Then there are the malicious players in the game, like the Russian IRA and Cambridge Analytica, who actively exploited these features to swing the vote.
0: Well, Even the traditional media is starting to adopt recommender systems for for the news content. And according to what you say, this seems like a very bad idea. Is there any other scenario in which recommender systems are not that great?
1: Well, they're used in a variety of applications. For instance, in the job market, a recommender limits the exposure to certain information about jobs on the basis of the person's gender or in, or health status um, or wealth status. And therefore, it perpetuates the discriminatory attitudes and practice. For example, women get to see less tech job ads, for example, in some platforms. In the US, recommender systems are used to calculate the bail fee for people who have been arrested. And they disproportionately affects and penalize people of color because the statistics are already against them. There are more people of color in prison than white people. So this problem of the recommender has to do with the training of the algorithm. In a system that is already unequal, where for example, you have fewer women in managerial positions and more African Americans in jails than white Americans, a recommender system will by design amplify the inequality.
0: I got it, recommender systems are part of the problem and they make everything worse. But the origin of the problem lies somewhere else, I suspect.
1: Yes, the problem goes way deeper and it's inevitably connected with another issue, which is privacy. A recommender system only works if it knows its audience. They are so powerful because they know everything about us. So we don't have any privacy anymore. Online players they can be private corporations or governments, know exactly who we are. Our lives are transparent to both corporations and governments. For an excellent analysis of this, I, re- I read Snowden's book, Permanent Record. I recommend it.
0: <laughs> the pen was intended, wasn't it?
1: Wasn't it funny? So we, all this information about us, we are put into categories for specific purposes, selling us products, influencing our vo- vote, We are targeted with ads aimed at our specific category, and this generates more discussion and more content on our social media about the same stuff. So recommender systems amplify the targeting by design. They make it more likely that they behave in a certain way. So they will be much less effective and much less dangerous in a world where our lives are private. Well,
0: social media platforms base their whole business model in knowing us, as you said. The, The business model itself is problematic.
1: Yeah, as we said in the previous episode, the Internet has become centralized with a handful of platforms controlling most of the traffic. In some countries like Myanmar, Internet access itself is provided and controlled by Facebook.
0: Chiara, sorry the stupid question, but where's Myanmar?
1: It's in Southeast Asia between India and Thailand.
0: All right, thanks.
1: So, in effect, The forum for public discourse and the available space for freedom of speech is now bounded by the profits of powerful private companies who are not disclosing or explaining how they make these decisions because they they claim technical complexity or commercial secrecy. Mostly, decisions are made by recommended algorithms which amplify bias and segregation. And at the same time, the few major platforms with their extraordinary reach offer an easy target for people seeking to manipulate the system for malicious ends.
0: All right. So this is our call to all data scientists out there. Be aware of personalization in building recommender systems. Personalizing is not always beneficial. There are a few cases where it is. Think about medicine, genetics, drug discovery. Many other cases where it is detrimental, for example, news, consumer services, consumer products, opinions. Personalization by algorithm, and in particular of the news, leads to a fragmentation of reality that undermines democracy. Collectively, we need to push for reining in targeted advertising, and the path to this leads to more strict rules on privacy. As long as we are completely transparent to commercial and governmental players, like we are today, we are vulnerable to lies, misdirection, and manipulation.
1: So I'm going to give you an analogy by Christopher Wiley, which was the Cambridge Analytical whistleblower. He said eloquently that our interaction with uh, social media platforms in general is like going on a date where you know nothing about the other person, but they know absolutely everything about you. And this leaves us without agency and without a real choice.
0: In other words, we are fucked.